Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Rocket City Lift. I'm Tara Bulger. And I'm Hannon Bulger. And we come to you three times a week and try to bring a bit of a spiritual lift to your day. We're going to hear the Amos text today. But before we do that, let's begin with prayer. Gracious God, we give you thanks for your word to us which through the ages have spoken to us again and again. And we pray that we would hear your voice in the reading of these words. Amen. Amen. So now we are going to hear from the fifth chapter of Amos, verses 1 through 15. As soon as I get my paper straight. (laughs) (laughs) Hear this word that I take up over you in lamentation, O house of Israel. Fallen, no more to rise, is maiden Israel. Forsaken on her land, with no one to raise her up. For thus says the Lord God, The city that marched out a thousand shall have a hundred left, and that which marched out a hundred shall have ten left. For thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, Seek me and live, but do not seek Bethel, and do not enter into Gilgal or cross over to Beersheba, For Gilgal shall surely go into exile, and Bethel shall come to nothing. Seek the Lord, and live, or he will break out against the house of Joseph like fire, and it will devour Bethel with no one to quench it. Ah, you that turn justice to wormwood and bring righteousness to the ground, the one who made the Pleiades and Orion and turns deep darkness into the morning and darkens the day into night, who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out on the surface of the earth. The Lord is his name, who makes destruction flash out against the strong, so that destruction comes upon the fortress. They hate the one who reproves in the gate, and they abhor the one who speaks the truth. Therefore, because you trample on the poor and take from them levies of grain, you have built houses of hewn stone, but you shall not live in them. You have planted pleasant vineyards, but you shall not drink their wine. For I know how many are your transgressions and how great are your sins. You who afflict the righteous, who take a bribe and push aside the needy in the gate. Therefore, the prudent will keep silent in such a time, for it is an evil time. Seek good and not evil that you may live. And so the Lord, the God of hosts, will be with you just as you have said. Hate evil and love good and establish justice in the gate. It may be that the Lord, the God of hosts, will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. So we have my daughter, Hannah Bolcher, with us today. She is a junior in high school. Brett will be back with us next week. But Hannah, what kind of fun question do we have for today? Okay, today's fun question. If you had to change your name, what would your new name be? And why would you choose that name? You want to go first or you want me to? You can go first. Okay, this is so ridiculous. But when I was youth director long ago, we would often pick like aliases to put. We all wore name tags. <laughs> yeah. It was so big. And I was always Toby. I have no idea why. So I weird. think I think it's because it's like a boy's name, but it starts with a T. Yeah. And you know, me and my siblings are Todd, Taryn, Travis. Yeah. I just feel like Toby fits. Yeah, it's weird. What about you? 
So um, I love old-fashioned grandma names, as my friends call them. I, <laughs> I, like, old, I like grandmas. Listen, I prefer to call them classic names. Yes, yes, but I like old-fashioned grandmas. <laughs> and I like names with meanings. Um, I feel like there's not a whole lot of meaning with my name, you know, um, which doesn't bother me because I like my name. But if I were to pick a new name, I would pick Esther. Really? Why? I love, like, names that start with vowels but have, like, a big consonant sound in it. Uh-huh. And you have thought about this way more than Toby I know. did. And um, I love, like, biblical names. And I feel like Esther is a biblical name that's not overused. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, yeah. a lot of them are. And so, I don't know. I've never met another Esther. And I feel like it'd be unique without being, like, somebody looks at it and is like, how do you say that? What do you remember about Esther from the Bible? That she was, like, the first, like, queen. Like, she was a strong yes, female leader, yes. right? Yes. She, I get you. She stuck up for herself, you know. Mm-hmm. She, I love it. She was powerful. She's, you know, mm-hmm. a role model. She is. And that's a lot like you. So I love that. All right. You're stuck with Hannon because I really like that name, too. <laughs> um we talked on Monday about how Amos's judgment against Israel had to do with them not taking care of the poor and seeking justice. But the other part of that is that Amos says that their worship has become rote and meaningless. This passage where he says, seek me and live, do not seek Bethel, Gilgal, or Beersheba, those were all places where they worshiped. And Amos is saying, seek to hear me, to hear God speaking into your life instead of just going to these places and saying you've done it. So my question to you is, what should worship be? Or what do you like or get the most out of the ways that we worship? So a fun fact about me and mom, a very Presbyterian fact, is that our favorite part like of church services is the confession. Love it. And that was kind of weird that it was not like a, it was purely a coincidence, I yeah. guess. I didn't really know. Um, but I feel like a confession is really what worship should be. Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel like worship now in like modern day society has become more self-glorifying as being a Christian. Um, and I feel like you can reap more from confessing that we're not perfect. And I mm-hmm. feel like, you know, admitting how human we are. Ultimately, well, like some people... may find it humiliating honestly yeah like I feel like you come out of it feeling so much better like a a weight is off your shoulders I do think that the culture has impacted worship so there Mm -hmm. are and and I do this even right like sometimes I'm like what am I getting out of this what am I getting out of worship but the real question is what am I giving to God in my worship time and my confession I feel like is the one time where I get to show God all my dirty spots and be wrapped in love anyway. Right. And that's why I love it. It's like <laughs> unconditional acceptance that you can you you can never find anything like that. Yeah. And I think even those days, and if Amos were here, we might have an argument about that, but <laughs> even those days when you are going to worship by rote, I think you're still being formed. So what I mean by that is the words of the liturgy get inside you. Like when we say the Apostles' Creed every week, it gets inside of us. And those words may come back and change the way I do something or give me comfort in a difficult time. Hymns, they really form us. You know, there are hymns that um, I know all the words to and they give me deep comfort. So I think even 
when you're in worship and your heart is only halfway into it, even then, I think we're still being formed by what happens in that place. I agree. I think everything about worship is so intentional. Yes. Even if you don't think about it, every hymn, you sing the words without even thinking about it sometimes, but Mm -hmm. those words stick with you. And, you know, I feel like I always am such a Debbie Downer about hymns. I would, when I was little, I'd complain when I would see four verses. I'd be like, oh. Oh, yeah. oh, four. But but now I can, like, I have, like, memories associated with the hymns. Yeah. And I feel like even though back then I would get so bored of standing up so much. And <laughs> you lazy, lazy I know, child. literally, I was so lazy. It was the transition from going to downstairs for the children, you know, to yeah. sitting in a service. But I feel like there's a reason we do everything instead of some of the more modern worship where it's, you know, more loose and freeform, which I'm sure some people can reap a lot from that. But for me, I feel like even the things that in the moment I'm like, oh my gosh, this is taking forever. It's like, you know, it's funny. Someone told me and that changed my whole view is that uh, someone said, would you ever read just like one stanza of a poem? And you're like, no, because no. a yeah. poem is the whole thing. When they were like, well, you sing all the verses of a hymn because it's a poem and it right. all goes together. Um, we're also people of tradition. So yeah. it matters to me that people who have gone before me for hundreds of years have also said those words and found comfort and mm-hmm. been led by them. Um, whenever people say, oh, I don't like old hymns, I always want to say, how do you like that old gospel? Because right. it's pretty old right. too. <laughs> and I'm crazy about it. <laughs> Uh, Hanny, thank you so much for being with me. Um, it was so great. I hope you'll come again. And will you lead us out? You've got a quote by one of my favorite authors, Annie Dillard. And this is one of my very favorite quotes. Okay. I often think of the set pieces of liturgy as certain words which people have successfully addressed to God without their getting killed. (laughs) (laughs) If we truly believe God is God, it is something to be considered. There you go. All right, Hanny, uh, you've made my day. Thank you. Thanks for having me. May you all now go out to love and to serve, to be well, to care for yourselves and others, knowing that the grace and love of God is upon you. Amen. Amen.